This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. See him in a manger laid whom the angels praise above. Let's pray. Father, I just pray you'd pour out your Holy Spirit and speak to us through your word that we might know you in the very depths of our hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, preparing tonight's sermon has forced me to read closely and think deeply about texts, about scriptures that are so familiar to so many of us that we can hardly hear them at all. These are verses that can so easily be wrapped in sentimentality and laid in nostalgia because there's no place for them in our normal daily lives. Or maybe you didn't grow up in a context in which this Christmas story was told, in which case this is exciting and I'd love to talk to you afterwards. Either way, my focus for these 15 minutes or so are going to be this one thing, a manger. Thank you, Jeff and Doug, for bringing it back from our 6 p.m. family service. I like to have a, a visual aid, and it was too big for the pulpit. So here it is on the platform. Now, we just sang, See him in a, la- in a manger laid, whom the angels praise above. And that hymn was wrapped around our gospel reading in which the manger was mentioned. Anyone notice how many times? Three. Very good, Kelsey. Look down on page 10 on our bulletins. Verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger. And then again, verse 12. And this will be a sign to you, says the angel to the shepherds. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And verse 16. The shepherds went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The manger. Now, what do you think when you see this manger? What does it mean? What does it represent? What might we learn about God as we look at a manger? What might the relevance be to our real, normal, daily lives? (laughs) Here's what I see. And this is really the heart of tonight's message. God does repurposing. God does repurposing. To repurpose means to give something a new purpose, a new use. God repurposes ordinary things like a manger. He repurposes ordinary people like the shepherds. And he repurposes other ordinary people like us. If you put the word Christmas and repurpose into Pinterest, the hours will just fly by. (laughs) You see soup ladles repurposed as tea light candle holders, scrabble pieces repurposed as tree ornaments spelling out Mary and Noel, and and then mason jars, of course, um, repurposed as snowmen with salty snow inside, bearing up little Christmas trees and nutcrackers. And if you want to have more fun, just take the word Christmas out and put repurposed 
into Pinterest. You'll find things like a washing machine taken outside, given a roof, and made into a doghouse. <clears throat> but I digress. Repurposing, giving something a new purpose, a new use. And in this sermon, we'll look at how God repurposes an ordinary thing like a manger. Ordinary people like the shepherds and ordinary people like us. So let's start with the manger. See him in a manger laid, whom the angels praise above. Who? See him? See who? If you're in chapter 1 of Luke's gospel, you would hear the angel answer that question. Who? Jesus. Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. This is him who the angels praise above. Before Jesus was laid in it, the manger was an ordinary thing. A simple feeding trough for cattle. It got knocked out about a fair bit, put in some pretty intense shifts, could probably relax a fair bit of the time. It was an ordinary manger. And then, wrapped in swaddling cloths, the newborn Son of God is laid within, and the manger is gloriously repurposed as a divine cradle. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. The presence of the Son of God gave the manger a whole new purpose. God repurposes ordinary things. And the question that intrigued me, so Mary lays Jesus in a manger. Now, was this just an act of exhausted improvisation? Or was this a creative detail in God's plan before the beginning of time? Was it the unfolding of a divine design? Or was Mary just making the best of difficult circumstances? Or both? Can God be at work through our everyday decisions? Our thoughtful plans, our tired reactions? Practical necessity is the reason given in the Bible, because there was no place for them in the inn. And yet the angels speak of the manger. God clearly knew about it. Wow. What did you do yesterday that might be used by God for some glorious, unexpected purpose? What might you do tomorrow? An ordinary thing, repurposed by the presence of God, a manger becomes the cradle of our eternal king. God can repurpose ordinary things like a manger. And number two, God can repurpose ordinary people like shepherds. Look down in verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. It's not difficult to imagine that a lifestyle in which you're out in the wilderness, up at night, alongside animals, day after day, week after week, kind of pushes you to the edge of society. You're not often invited to baby showers. You don't expect visits from the high-ups yet. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. But what does the angel say? Fear not. 
For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that would be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Good news of great joy. What, what makes news good news? Sometimes good news is good because it isn't the feared bad news. Sometimes good news is good because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and here it is. And sometimes good news is good because it transforms our situation. And I wonder if this is what the shepherds are hearing. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ. Ooh, this transforms our situation, thinks the shepherds. What was their situation? As well as the daily challenges of being a shepherd, they and their people suffered under Roman imperial impression. Often we barely notice verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. But actually, let's think about it. This is an emperor wanting money. So he organizes a census. And suddenly, pregnant ladies have to travel miles on a donkey in their third trimester. The shepherds in all Israel could complain, we suffer, we are helpless under the power of Rome. And maybe now, help is at hand. In the city of David, Israel's great king of old, a new savior is born. Christ, the anointed one, the Lord. This guy will have God's blessing, God's approval, God's power. There is light at the end of the tunnel. A king for us. Unto you is born this day. But the good news of the shepherd, the good news from the angel is actually bigger than this. It's not just good news for their clan and tribe. The angel said, for all the people. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Because while Israel suffered helpless under the oppression of Rome, all people suffer helpless under the oppression of sin and Satan and death. The dark empire of all powers that set themselves up against God this is the oppressive empire that the new king will ultimately overthrow. A good world, distorted and enslaved by sin, is now being repurposed once more by God as the glorious kingdom of God is breaking in, as God's king is born. And the shepherd wonder, wow, this is good news. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Where are we going to find him? Verse 12. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And in that moment, the shepherds were repurposed. Repurposed not by a new rule to follow, but by a new desire to follow, a new purpose to follow, the desire and purpose of seeing this new king. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Let us go, let's go. It's a cry that's echoed down the ages. The Lord made known to them through an angel the good news of the new king. This gave them a new desire, a new purpose, and they were repurposed as 
messengers, as almost angels. Scruffy shepherds became God's messengers. Our word angel derives from the Greek angelos, a translation of the Hebrew word meaning messenger. The angels visited the shepherds, and the shepherds became messengers, almost became angels. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Smelling of sheep, these rough angel messengers brought good news to Mary. Because again, back in Mary's position, think about it. You're an exhausted first-time mum, a long way from home, from family, from support. And maybe the original angel's message to you, Mary, is fading, drowned out by a very present baby's cries. Wouldn't you be a little bit overwhelmed with doubts and uncertainty? If I am so highly favored, why do I have to put my baby in a manger? Does God see me? Does he care? And then the door opens. And smelly, wild-looking men stride in, the kind of guys that don't normally get admitted into a maternity ward. And they see a manger. And they see a baby in the manger. And their eyes are full of joy. And their mouths are full of praise. And a slumped Mary now sits up straight with dignity and hope and wonder. Verse 17, And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. God's kingdom breaking in. God's king is here. God does repurposing. He can repurpose ordinary things like a manger. He can repurpose ordinary people like shepherds. And third, he can repurpose ordinary people like us. How? How might God repurpose us tonight? Any lessons we can learn from the shepherds? Because they were up pretty late too. It's simple. God repurpose the shepherds by giving them a new desire, a new purpose. They wanted to see Jesus. It was a compelling desire. They went with haste. Seeing Jesus drawing near to the Savior became more important than anything else. Thus, they became messengers, bringing good news to an exhausted first-time mother. What is your purpose What is your deepest desire? What do you daydream about? What do you get anxious about losing? What, when threatened, makes you mad? What is your purpose? Maybe family harmony, financial security, physical healing, deep acceptance, all these things are good. But they aren't our deepest, final, greatest purpose in life. In the famous words of the Westminster Confession, our chief purpose is to worship God and enjoy Him forever. To enjoy Him forever, the only one who can ultimately satisfy. Family harmony, financial security, physical healing, deep acceptance, these are beyond our control. 
but God draws near to us. God gives for us, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given, that we might know him as we are known. That we might love him as we are loved. Is our greatest purpose, our deepest desire, knowing and loving God? What if, what if you want to want God? You'd like to desire him, but currently you don't, or not much. What can you do? The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Our hearts are too easily distracted and temporarily satisfied by lesser things. So how can we raise our hearts to God and invite him to repurpose them? To give us a new ultimate purpose. Here are two ways. Modeled by Mary and the shepherds in verse 19 and 20. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Pondering. What had she previously valued? I don't know. But right now she is treasuring and pondering the good news for all the people. The words wrapped around the baby lying in the manger. This son, and how he fulfills the scriptures of old, how he points to a glorious future ahead. She's treasuring these things. She's pondering them. How do we do that? I find it helpful to compare it to eating. Eating. Christmas. Hmm. So let's imagine some fine dish is set before you. Maybe you reach for your favorite chocolate. Do you just inhale it? Or can you treasure it? Linger on its appearance. Smell it. Take a small bite and roll it around your mouth, tuning into all the flavors and textures. That is what Mary is doing with the good news from the shepherds. She's taking her time. She's engaging her imagination. She's giving each word, phrase, truth, the time and space it deserves. I doubt if she necessarily has like a journal and a creative kit to draw, but you might. Treasuring, pondering. In the next few days, if you can, give yourself 30 minutes of undisturbed silence to ponder and treasure the presence of the Most High who draws near to us. Pray and be still. And maybe reread the text in tonight's bulletin. Raise your heart to God, your deepest desires, and ask that he would give you that new desire to know him in a new way. Ponder the good news in your heart. Treasure being present with Emmanuel, God with us. You can ponder alone, or you can ponder with others. We have community groups, international Bible studies, Venite, Jubilati, undergrad, graduate ministries. Reach out via the website. Join a group where you can ponder together. One means to receive God is to ponder, and the other is to praise. To praise. Verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Sometimes we don't feel like singing. I mean, sometimes maybe all we can do is just read the words. 
of a song or hymn. But then maybe we can mouth them quietly, maybe hum the tune, maybe sing gently. But isn't it great when you can build to the moment in which you can give yourself in full voice, full body praise, hands in the air. If you're not in the choir, the next chance to sing tonight is on page 14, the doxology. Read it through. Can you sing that with gusto? Draw near to God with songs of praise. Come back on subsequent Sundays and the Lord will help us raise our hearts to Him. Because it's like impossible to enjoy food without eating it. It's impossible to fully love and respond to our glorious God without praising Him. To praise our Creator and Redeemer is the most appropriate response from redeemed creation. And in a few minutes, during communion, we will sing, amongst others, in the bleak midwinter. The bleak midwinter feels very appropriate right now. But you might remember the final stanza. The last line summarizes how God repurposes our hearts. That final stanza, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. God does repurposing. Would you like him to give you a fresh new purpose this Christmas? The purpose of knowing and loving him. Lift up to him your deepest desires. Lift up your life's purpose. Lift up your heart. See him in a manger laid, whom the angels praise above. Holy Spirit, lend your aid while we raise our hearts in love. Amen.